1: It's Wednesday, so it's time for Wayne on Wednesday. Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager at FMB Wealth and Investment. The market, without having any dramatic falls, and the stock market I'm talking about now, Wayne, it, it sort of generally sort of churning and falling slowly, isn't it? It's almost like yes. some sort of in, in, insidious f- fall rather than a dramatic. Oh my goodness, uh, China has gone to war with Taiwan, and therefore the market's fallen ten percent. It's just it's just trickling away every single couple of days.
0: Yeah, well, look, it's back to where it was at the beginning of the year. Eh? Is that so? I think so, yes. It's more or less back to where it was in January. Uh, more or less January started at 59th, uh, maybe not last, January. Call it February.
1: Okay, I'll call it February.
0: It's now, it's now exactly where it was the beginning of February. So it's gone up, and, of course, it peaked it peaked sort of halfway through August there, and it's actually been going down consistently since then. So, yeah, it just seems to be almost rotting away there. But, yes. of course, any weakness we see on this market is not because of what's happening in South Africa. It's because of what of the state of play in global markets. Right. And that's very much in in order of magnitude, U.S. inflation, is it transitory, what's happening, where is it going, what's it going to do, is it going to fall? And then, of course, they're all interrelated. The second one is the cost of oil and gas and power. Yeah. I mean, you'll know better than what I do living in, in Europe there, what the cost of natural gas has done over, the, over a very, very short time period.
1: It's soared.
0: It astronomically, yeah. it has soared. And then, of course, petrol as well, or oil, you know, Brent crude's above 80, 81. So that's the second one. The third one is uh, supply chain issues. Uh, there's, there seems to be a lot of them. Petrol in the UK. Of course, we all know about the chips, but there's quite a few of these supply chain issues. And then I suppose the, the last one is really geopolitics, if you want to call it one of a better word. You know, the Taiwan Strait, and well, let's not call it geo. Let's call it geopolitics because it is tied into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Chinese government interfering in big company, not just big tech, big company. And I suppose related to that is the um, Chinese property story, Evergrande. Although there is one thing that I don't think a lot of people realise about Evergrande, in that. 90-odd percent of their debt is held domestically. So even if it fails with the $300 billion book, it won't cause, like Lehman Brothers, a collapse of the global banking system. Because global banks and global Pension funds and global investors are not exposed to it. It's Chinese banks and Chinese investors that are exposed to it. Yes, but unfortunately, the things, presents... no,
1: the, the things are interlinked, yeah. though, Wayne, because China is such a yes. giant economy. Uh, just because Evergrande doesn't have many foreign investors, it'll
0: spread to other areas of the Chinese economy. Unquestionably. I mean, China is already slowing down because of power issues. Mm-hmm. Well, the growth rate is slowing down because of power, power issues. But it won't be a Lehman Brothers where the bank, where the global banking system wobbles well, while virtually collapses. I mean, I can remember quite clearly I watched an interview on TV. Now, this is quite a while after the global financial crisis. Yes. And the Federal Reserve Bank, Ben Bernanke, called together the CEOs and all the top brass of all the big banks. And he said to them, listen, I understand the situation, blah, blah, blah. And we are going to release liquidity into the market. In other words, print money, which they ended up calling uh,
1: quantitative easing. Hmm.
0: Yeah, helicopter money, but the the fancy name was quantitative easing. And he said, listen, it'll take us a little bit of time, but we should be able to get all of this in place in two weeks. And the one banking guy said, listen, you've got to get it in place this afternoon. That's how close the banking system came to being unable to settle, in other words, collapsing. Hmm. So I don't think even if Evergrande goes, it's not going to be that situation like the global financial crisis. But just to come back to markets, I mean, maybe the biggest single thing I didn't talk about, and that's specifically related to global markets, is the share valuation. I mean, these things are expensive.
1: Which things? The South African stocks, the global stocks? No, no, stocks no, global, global stocks. Yeah, yeah. no, no,
0: global stocks. No, no, our share market's not particularly expensive. Yeah. It's not clearly not cheap, but I would say maybe it's. Well, right now where it is now, it's probably fair value. You know, at sixty-two, sixty-three thousand. You know, the PE is not astronomical. Um, our economy is still growing off a very low base, but it's growing. And I don't think our market's particularly expensive. Maybe maybe because, you know, the mining shares have already fallen. And if you take what the resource shares have done in, uh, in the last while, I mean, these things are off quite dramatically. I mean, they peaked at 71,000 and they're sitting at 57,000 now. You know, so that's a good 20-odd percent off their peak. And if you take the... Uh, the platinum shares, I mean, they are significantly. The platinum shares have essentially halved, if I'm not mistaken.
1: So they're in a bear market, in other words.
0: The platinum, the, the resource market, the resource shares are definitively in a bear market. Yeah. Although the um, the uh, big mining houses haven't fallen that much yet. You know, BHP and Anglo's. I mean, they haven't fallen nearly as much as Comba. And the platinum shares have fallen.
1: because of the diversification but, of their portfolios, rather yes. than Kumba which is but, just iron ore. Yeah, well.
0: yes, and iron and ore goes from two hundred and twenty to one hundred or ninety very quickly. Eh? Hmm. I
1: mean, extremely quickly. And can go back to 220 again, and we saw it go up to 220 quite quickly. Yeah. And 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 just yes, on and that will, just on that note, when you when you look, I mean, if you're a, a, an investor in, a, let's say that uh, when you were offered an enormous amount of money to go to New York or London and manage a commodities portfolio because of your prowess in the, in the in your previous existence as a portfolio manager across the board, whether it be general equities or whatever it is, and they said, right, sit down, here's the CRB commodity index. Since we've been speaking. Wayne, since we've yeah. been speaking, uh, I've got now the crude oil price down 2% and uh, the yes. natural gas price down 7.5%. Just in yeah. the last half we, hour, something's happened. I think Russia these, must be saying to themselves, I love this. We produce, we produce gas and we produce crude oil. Let's just yeah. sell a little bit more into the market. Never mind OPEC plus, yeah. we need the money.
0: We need the money. But also, I mean, just being a little bit less political per se, in other words, what China is doing against the rest of OPEC. It is quite clear, and, and it has been in place for a very long time, that the world is going against fossil fuels. You know, in 20 years' time, there will probably be half the demand for oil than what we see now, and probably in 10 years' time, maybe not 10, but let's just say 10 years' time, every new car that's sold Will be an electric vehicle uh, uh, maybe a few of the heavy trucks won't be electric yet, but effectively every passenger car that's sold will be electric, so they are sitting in a permanently declining market, so it's very similar to Telcom with a fixed line you know it's been in permanent decline for twenty odd years and this is the case with oil so the the producers now don't want an excessively high price because it will simply, you know, accelerate that trend. You know, so, so they actually don't want these high, specifically oil prices. They actually want to get it down, and, and and I think they will do it because they know that they're already battling, they're already swimming against the tide, and it's a very, very strong tide, and they don't want that to accelerate. They don't want this this, this move to green to accelerate for, because a lot of people will just do it on pure economics and say, well, listen, this oil price is $90, $80, dollars $90 a barrel. I'm buying that electric car this year. I was only going to buy it in three years' time, but I'm buying it this year. So they don't actually want it. So I think that the oil prices, in or the energy prices in particular, are on their way down and will be quite a bit lower before the end of the year. In other words, in line with what's happening to other commodity prices. And you know, if you take industrial, industrial metals, you know, there the prices are down off. Oh, what is, what, what's it doing there? This, I'm looking at an index now. So the index is down from 250 to 171. So that's, it's down that? a quarter. Uh, this is the, and I don't even know what index it is, but it's the, Okay, sorry, it's the Economist's Industrial Commodity Index in
1: dollars. All right.
0: From the Economist magazine. That, that's, the, that's the data feed I get. Yes. But now, having said all of that, it has now retraced half of the rise that started in the middle of last year. And I think that's the majority of the fall because there's no need, in my, in my view, for these prices to go down to where they were during lockdown. And the lockdown level was more or less where it was at the absolute worst in 2015. So I think these things have retraced a significant proportion of the commodity, of, of the down cycle. I think they've done it. Okay. You know, there's no new supply coming on stream. I mean, in the last in the last big super cycle, which was obviously, you know, the the big China growth years from 2002 through to 2008. In about 2007, 2006, the mining companies, the commodity companies started spending CapEx and they spent big. And once you start, you can't stop because you can't leave the project half finished. Mm -hmm. So the CapEx actually peaked after the global financial crisis. So the CapEx peaked. When the commodity prices were collapsing, and the capEx peaked in 20, 2012, 2013 and 2014 at about 150 billion dollars a year in capEx for each of those years, I doubt if the capEx now is 30 billion.
1: So what are you so, do? Let's put all this together a, now what're saying so there's is- no new supply. No, there's no new supply. I think there's two things from a simplistic analysis point of view. The first thing is that they went too far, too fast. Uh, the prices and the stocks. They've come back now yes. as people have just suddenly said, well, wait a second. Uh, this was all a little bit too frothy." But then they sit down and say, but there's no new supply. And even if the global economy does well, start it, to slow down.
0: And there and the is, the is still demand. I mean, precisely. what will happen? And of course, anything can happen. But what, uh, the way, the, way, the way we see it is that global growth will trend towards 2% next year, not 5% like we're seeing this year. But that's still growth, eh?
1: So what do you do with, the, now, with your stocks, things can derail it. No, I need, I need tips from and, you now. Um, People want to hear tips. You, light, then, you lightened your load in be, the commodity sector, didn't you? Yes, but that was a while back, Are you starting to nibble again? When
0: I say a while back, that was a couple of months ago, and we were very fortuitous in that we got that right.
1: now we're thinking about buying some back. Are you buying back? That's what I'm asking you.
0: We are buying back some, yes. We're buying back platinum because they've, they've fallen terribly, the platinum shares.
1: Okay, so the platinum group metal stocks like Impala and Anglo-American Platinum and Northern and uh, RB Platts and all those sort of things, you are, you're having a yes. look at. Are you looking at the diversifieds as well? I mean, the billetons. Not yet, Or no. did you not get out of those in the first place?
0: No, we sold them, but they just haven't really fallen, as I said earlier on. Mm. Now, there hasn't been much weakness there.
1: Okay, well, that's very interesting. So, you're getting back into the PGMs. I think you're absolutely right because I'm just looking at my screen now. Yeah, we might
0: be earlier. You never know. Well,
1: you can't We we, we might be early. Platinum is down 11% 11%, uh, year to date so far. Yeah. Uh, Which is, is, uh, yeah, okay. But Um, then,
0: you know, just talking about, let's talk a bit about platinum because it's of great, of big relevance to South Africa. Of course. I mean, our tax receipts that we've had. Have been 80 billion above the budgeted amount. The majority of that comes from mining companies, in other words, corporate income tax. Yes. But private income tax is also up significantly more than what was budgeted for, and so is VAT. So we've sat with a windfall year in South Africa of about 80 billion more coming in than what was anticipated. Now... Mainly because of the riots and the extensions of all the lockdown grants and all of these things, we've spent sixty billion of that. And you know that money was necessary, and luckily enough, we had it. But that eighty billion surplus is going to disappear like the morning mist in this commodity down cycle. eh? Yeah, I mean Anglo American Platinum's earnings will halve. Six months to December will be half of what it was the six months to June, if not more.
1: Which is why the bond market is doing what it's doing in South Africa. It was eight eighty eight point eight zero percent for the ten year just, just uh, three weeks ago. It's now nine point. Yeah. Let's have a look quickly at the, at the South African ten year. I think it's nine fifty. Yes, it's nine point five two percent at the moment. That's a huge move. That tells you that the next rise in interest rates in South Africa is up.
0: But we know that. Mm. But sooner I mean, we, rather we, than we, later. We, we know that. Mm. And in the rest of the world as well. Now, just on the bonds, you know, at nine and a half, this might be a, well, I think it's an exceptionally good buy because our inflation is properly under control in South Africa because there's no excess demand. So we've got some inflation now because of oil, essentially.
1: Yeah.
0: A few other things, but mainly, but just call it oil. And, uh, but, you know, I think it will trace four and a half in the not-too-distant future, maybe even 4%, and you're buying bonds at almost 10 I mean, that's a 5% real yield. Now, our RAND over long-time periods, now let's say long-time periods, eight years plus, has never depreciated by more than inflation plus five. So, in other words, buying the bond at these yields you you it's it's almost like taking your money overseas yeah because you are going to get okay forget tax i know tax is a problem forget tax for the moment but I mean, that's not bad. In fact, in fact, quite honestly, it's fantastic, to be honest.
1: It is. It's an amazing year. And, and people that are overseas are, are sitting down at their desks now and looking at emerging market bonds. You cannot beat a South African 10-year at 9.5% when inflation is yeah. half of that. It's, it's, it's an extraordinary... In fact, just, just, yeah, go on.
0: just let me go back. I've got, I've got my chart up here. Just let me go back a few more years Yeah, Let's get a bit more time on my chart Yeah,
1: What chart I mean, are you looking at? Had, the bond yield? Had,
0: the bond yield, the 10 year bond yield. Right. Um, we had, up until the whole of the 90s, we had bonds at 14, 15, 16%. Then the bond market realized hang on, we've actually beaten inflation down in South Africa and it fell from 15 to 7. And it's traced, it's, it's gone between 7 and 9 and a half since then. It's only gone through, it's only gone higher than 10 on. Two occasions, one was the global financial crisis and one was the COVID last year. I didn't even get through that when Nene was fired and they put Desmond in charge. So, in other words, the bonds now are, are tracking, other than those two exceptions, the bonds are now tracking at 17-year high yields. Hell, it must be a buy at this price. Eh?
1: Where do you think it was on the 1st of um, uh, July? No, sorry what is that month, uh, 7th, uh, August, 1st of August, 1998, where do you think the South African 10-year bond yield was? Just give me a rough estimate. It's, about, it's Almost 20%. 20.24%. Yeah, yeah. And then it had a couple of little spikes back in. Let's have a look at this chart now. God, I'm getting really good with my new laptop. The 1st of uh, June 2008, it was 10.70%. Um. And yeah, and there was a little spike, obviously, a COVID spike on the 1st of March 2020, or rather March 2020, went to close to 11%, 10.965%. Yeah. And yeah, it's, every time they spike like this, you've got to buy them, haven't you, as long as you can cover your currency exposure?
0: Yes. But I mean, inherently, as long as you prepare to take a longer term view, mm. the yield you're getting now will, will cover your currency exposure. Because the RAND hasn't really done the RAND hasn't depreciated by more than that differential that you get you that you're locking in now over longer time periods. You know, and just and just just while we're talking about that, yes. <laughs> properties were the best performing asset class hands down up until a couple of years ago. And that's also because the property yield follows the long bond yield. But whereas now the property yields Actually higher than the long bond yields. So maybe property is a better buy. Now I know all the risks associated with property, but maybe property is a better buy. I mean if you would have bought I'm just using Growth Point as the example here because it's our biggest property company. If you'd have bought growth point last year at the worst of the lockdowns and all of that, you'd have bought an 18% yield. Now the yield fell because the because the distributions fell, but you know, you would assume that on all of our calculations that distributions will be back to where they were pre-lockdown in about three, four years, time. So if you prepare to wait three or four years at a lower yield, you are buying these things on a forward. You could have bought these things on a forward yield of 16%, man. Mm. You know, I mean, that is just astonishing. And i, I even buy them now still, even though the prices have recovered.
1: Okay, well that's another tip for us Wayne. Uh, we have to talk about two other things now, never mind the markets. Let's get yep. on to the interesting stuff. The first thing is that I was watching, no, actually I was reading an article about vintage cars that are being converted yes. from their normal normally aspirated engines, their normal petrol Into engines electric. to electric. And there was a picture of the most beautiful E-type Jaguar and I thought of you because you're a Jag man. Would you ever yeah. convert any of your cars that you own no. to electric? Why
0: not? No, I'll never do the conversion because I'm a petrol head. That's how I grew up. I like the sound of an internal combustion engine starting and revving.
1: Can't you put something on the exhaust pipe to make it sound like that, though? Don't they have these little
0: gadgets? No, 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 no. No, you can get them. In fact, at my workshop in Kaya Sands, where I am now, there's a bunch of chaps up the road here that specialize in tuning your car's electronic brain. So you can go there, you can go there in your 1200cc Toyota and they will tune it up that it makes popping sounds and funny noises and, I mean, they must increase the fuel consumption enormously because the way they do it, the way they make all these exhausts pop to sound like a Formula One type thing is that on the exhaust stroke, they actually program your computer and your fuel injection to give a little spurt of petrol into your exhaust so that you get the little flame and the little pop, pop, pop out of your exhaust. So they can tune your car so that it sounds like a 500-horsepower machine, but it's only an 80-horsepower machine, but it doesn't matter. It still sounds like one.
1: When are you people going to grow up, Wayne? I mean, come on now. I don't know how old you are. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing it. In fact, I've actually
0: worked it out why. I like classic cars go on i don't i don't want to drive them they're terrible to drive i mean these are sixty year old motor cars you know they 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 haven't got air conditioning they haven't got power steering they haven't got electric windows they haven't got bum warmers you know and 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 uh, steering wheel warmers and they they're noisy as all hell inside they 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 they're hot in summer you die in summer you so your bum's warm in winter, summer but not in
1: winter obviously yeah.
0: Yeah, and then in winter, they never get cold, ever, because there's so much heat that comes through from the firewall, because mm-hmm. they weren't properly insulated and all of these things. Mm-hmm. But I've actually worked, so it, so it actually sounds terrible. Yes, it does. But I've actually worked out why I like them. So I like working on them and fixing them. That's my true joy. I don't like driving them. I don't want to have a museum either. I don't want people to come and ooh and oh, look at this car. I don't want a museum. So I don't own pet, you know, vintage petrol pumps and vintage signs on the wall and neon signs and and, and my floor is not polished. You know, I don't want a museum either. In fact, when people come here to look at my cars, I find it mildly irritating because they are keeping me away from working on the cars. So,
1: so, so you don't want to I, drive I, I,
0: the car. I don't want to work on them. I like restoring them. I like the, the challenge of sorting out problems, of fixing things, of seeing the result of what my achievements are, and that and that's also, I mean, yeah, yeah, it is a, because of a love of motor cars, but it's also a, a, a spin-off from the job that I do. You must remember, anyone who does a job like mine, yes. you never finish it, eh? No, it's, just, it's,
1: it's, never a, it's, finished. Con- it's constant, yes, exactly. I mean, like a jigsaw puzzle, for example. You
0: never finish it. You never finish it, because no, you, 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 know, you know what's going to happen tomorrow, so you can have good performance mm. today, but then you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, so you never actually finish a job. And so that's why I like working on cars because you can say, this one, that problem, I finished it. It's that.
1: So you wouldn't be, for example, I mean, the, the, way, the way my mind's working is that you, you do this uh, not to get away, get away from home because I know you have a very happy home life, but on the other hand, you do need a hobby. Some people go fishing, which is never finished either. Know you've got to have a hobby. Some people, some no, people play uh, golf and they want to constantly increase their handicap. Some people like to do jigsaw puzzles, yeah. which is stupid uh, because you finish it and then you say, well, what am I no, going to do now? Look, some people what, make model what airplanes. I've worked
0: at, hmm. Yeah, what I've worked at and it's very specific for me, but what I think is a very good lesson for everyone, yes, is you must have your own time and you must have an an encompassing hobby. Now, a hobby is not watching television
1: oh well so that's me out the window then
0: that you've got to because to me that's because that's something you can do you know by yourself, you know you can get great enjoyment with it.
1: I watch TV by um, myself, I mean, I, and I get I am, great enjoyment I out
0: am, of it. I am, now, understand. I'm talking very specifically about myself. I mean, I, I am naturally a, an a, an introvert, yes. and and I'm quite quite happy with my own company. Mm. And I like working on cars and working in the garage. But I'm getting a bit old now, so now when I get home yeah. after working in the garage all day, a little bit tired, eh? Oh, really? No, yeah, you don't. You don't. You know, you don't often see nine o'clock. Eh?
1: And it's like you and Shapiro. David Shapiro goes to, I said, did you see the match last night? And he said, what match? I said, well, it started at nine o'clock. He said, well, I'm asleep by then. Is that what happens? Yeah.
0: But you must remember, Shapiro is also very different. When Shapiro gets up at quarter past four to run 100 kilometers, eh? that well, I
1: certainly don't think. Do. It's five to 10 Ks. Let's not exaggerate here, <laughs> Wayne. But anyway, let's yeah, talk about again, the last but, thing. But yes. Because you've got your five yes. o'clock coming up. I went to France just uh, uh, exactly a week ago. And I was driving along the the north coast and uh, stopped in this whitewashed, you know, one of those sort of stereotypical whitewashed cottage fishing villages. And there was a there was a um, a restaurant there called uh, Lamy... uh La Marie. Um, but anyway. It was one of these places, and you said, I knocked on the door and I said, Have you got a table? And the woman said, No, I'm sorry. So I walked away. And then she came chasing down the road after me and said, We have got, we can fit you in at the bar. So anyway, I had a look at the menu. I sent it to you, but I'm going to tell you now. Half a lobster. This is the, the platter. Half a lobster, mm-hmm. half a crab, six oysters, one langoustine, six prawns three uh, sorry six prawns three shrimps one boulot I don't know what a boulot is uh, but it's a, it was a piece of fish of some sort and also uh, mm-hmm. a, a plate of clams would you pay 60 61- oh my goodness I know would you pay 61 euros for that that's for one person
0: yes I would yeah
1: 61 euros so would I and for yeah. two people 117 yeah. euros and it would have taken me if I'd had no, it, I'd which I'd, I had I'd, had I'd... 100 it would have taken me an hour and a half to eat
0: Extraordinary. Extraordinary restaurant. Yeah. No, that does sound sound absolutely extraordinary. I can remember the first time I had crab was actually at the Edward Hotel in Durban and I saw crab on the menu and I specifically asked oh, is it shelled or deshelled? And they said it's deshelled because I had a harrowing experience (laughs) on two occasions. Not in Johannesburg. In Johannesburg, where I took out an extremely well-known journalist, extremely well-known, but I won't tell his name. Why? And he had crab in the shell with the little pair of pliers to break it with the full bib.
1: That and annoys it, it the actually, hell out of
0: me, that sort it, of thing. It, it was actually it was actually nauseating, to be honest. Thank you. So that's why I specifically asked, is it out the crab? And, and it was out the the, out uh, the, shell. Out the shell. And It was out the shell. Mm, it's pointing. And it was truly... Delicious. Soft so shell now one crab of my is very favorite. good. Mm, a yeah. soft, uh, was it that favorite... restaurant?
1: Uh, wait, sorry to interrupt you because I get excited about these reminiscences. Because there was a, a, a crab restaurant in the center of Johannesburg as it used to be, and it was no. downstairs. And it, you, you, you would be give, no. given like a raincoat almost because you had to eat the crab with those ghastly yeah. uh, clippers and whatever you no, just I, described.
0: No, no, it, it wasn't. It was at. Um, What's that fancy that they not – well, they're not so – what's that well-known restaurant in Rosebank being El's Grill House, That's where it was. Oh,
1: okay. I thought they
0: were El's is a fantastic place. Hmm. No, but they, they, they serve the crab there as well. Okay. But now what we do, and we've spoken about this before, is we've got a little lunch club hmm. with our office, my office colleagues, that the last Friday of every month – Yes. Now, just in case my boss is listening no, we go be. at two o'clock in the afternoon we go at two o'clock in the afternoon okay. and we select special places the the, the 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 terminology we use is a spot it 's got to be a spot okay. it can 't be one of Joburg's 's ten restaurants it can 't be listed in in you know a, eat, it eat out magazine a place mm. it can't be an eat out madness it must just be a spot a, Place mm-hmm. And one of the places we went to was a thing called the Purple Lounge. Now, that sounds like a, 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 a different type of establishment, mm-hmm. but it was actually an Indian restaurant. And they served delicious biryani. They served um, what's the bunny chow, but Durban curry bunny chow. Yes. And then if you phoned the day before, which the chap who organized it did, you could order curried crab Mm. and that was only the crab legs so you could get to the meat relatively quickly but it was delicious
1: okay very good and just before you go your, your little lunch club D- d- what's the sort of geographical extension of the club? Can you go to the south of Johannesburg, for example? Or yes,
0: we've to be- been to, you know, we've been to many, many places. In fact, most of the places we've been to have been in the south.
1: Like La Peregna, for example, that prawn restaurant, which is the first prawn yeah, restaurant we ever went to. We haven't been there yet. Oh, you must go there. We haven't been there
0: yet. That's our next spot. But we've been to Sesco's, we've been to the Toyville Hotel, we've been to, uh, uh, um, what's the one in Orange Grove? The beer hall, radium beer hall. Yeah,
1: the radium, uh, the radium We've been to beer hall. Exactly.
0: We've been to the Purple. Yes. We've been to the
1: Purple Lounge. We've
0: been to a good couple of
1: spots. Okay. Well, I should look forward to your next spot alert. Wayne McCurry is a portfolio yes. manager and uh, gastronome, and he works for FMB Wealth and Investment when he's not playing with cars and eating food. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, These views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.